0: It's a beautiful morning. The birds are chirping, the sun is shining, and you're listening to. Next up, some smooth jazz on your drive to unemployment. What the fuck?! I know it's mean to say you're green, but you got to leave WWE. You're not fit to be the shit, so stay at home and make my grits. <laughs> That's the first verse. If anybody's looking for a new co-host for any radio <laughs> show, I'm available. Good evening, wrestling fans, entertainment fans. This is Anthony of wrestling-news.com. I want to thank you very much for listening tonight. Oh, how I had no idea that the wrestling world was filled with atheists. Dixie, you are forgiven. Hey, Kermit D. Frog. I am the new GM for Raw. NXT! NXT! Yay! Get the fuck out of here. Go into the TNA Impact Zone with one of those metal detector ones. And when Hogan comes out to cut his promo and he's doing the guitar, just turn the fucking thing on. (laughs) Since youngins do listen, some of your youngins out there do listen, I think it's a little bit too inappropriate to be using the word cut on this show. People out there, remind me in a little while the word Hindu. That's how the shows go. If you're new to the show, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, total nonstop Anthony, that's what you got tonight. Total nonstop and total nonstop and total nonstop, total nonstop please allow me for a few moments to take a trip down memory lane. Now the road that I really would love to take a ride on is looking back at the last couple of months of yours truly's analysis and reports. You know, the time that I said seven weeks ago that the proper match at Evolution should be Trish and Lita teaming up to take on Alexa Bliss and Mickie James. Nobody said it back then. The debate that I had with Kevin Castle very recently about Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley where I insisted heels is the way to go. What about the conversation I had with my co-host where I was asked, do I think Nikki Bella will politely challenge Ronda Rousey similar to what Nia Jax did? And I chuckled and I said, not a fucking chance in hell. Heel turn is the only way to go. In fact, it should kind of carbon copy Brock Lesnar and John Cena. And I'll go one step further. I'll throw another one out there that nobody's talking about. Nikki Bella and Brie Bella should have some dissension Leading up to Evolution where Brie Bella ends up telling Nikki she is on her own. Maybe they'll wait until the Evolution event itself for that to happen. Just, you know, my brain working. What about the time that I said a few times over the last bunch of weeks that Kevin Owens needs to and will turn babyface? I could go on. The meeting with Impact Wrestling and WWE, where everybody else was saying that they were talking about a possible sale, and they said, no, it's further discussions, because WWE wants to use more content on the WWE network. I could continue. Rey Mysterio. People out there that they got their sources. Rey's return match. His first match is going to be at Super Showdown. Yeah, Smackdown 1000. And if you even want to go into baseball, breakfast soup, a couple of weeks ago, I said that the Yankees and the Rockies would win the wild cards. And then it should be the Boston Red Sox versus the Dodgers in the World Series. Now that hasn't happened yet, but we're down to the final four and Red Sox and Dodgers are still in it. So, but that's not the road I want to go on. I want to go on a different road, take a trip Down memory lane And look at some of our beloved Hall of Famers And the last times That we saw them uh, Featured Prominently On WWE television Hall of Famers People that we beloved Moments that we cherish to this day And some of those moments aren't as important As others But let's go take a look at it George the Animal Steel. 1998 returning as part of the oddities And yes he lost most of the matches he was involved in But it was still really really fun to see George Steele come back one last time His age at the time 59 Remember Kevin Nash returning at the 2011 Royal Rumble Not 2014 That was fun but not as memorable When he came back in 2011 Everybody loved it Popped, Marked out. His age, 52 years old. Hulk Hogan's last WWE match. Not talking TNA. Not talking about the Hulkamania Tour in Australia. I'm talking about WWE against Randy Orton at SummerSlam 2006. Hogan's age at the time, 53 years old. Bob Backlund, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And you know what? For this moment, we will go to TNA on this one. Bob Backlund came back, wrestled Alex Shelley in TNA. Everybody at that time were writing online that they couldn't believe how good Bob Backlund could still go. He still has it, and they loved it. His age at the time, 57 years old. Bruno Sammartino, the living legend, God rest his soul, one of the, the top three greatest wrestlers of all time. His final match in the WWF, he teamed up with Hulk Hogan to face King Kong Bundy in the one-man gang. His last WWF match ever. His age at the time, 54 years old. Let's look at Ricky Steamboat. Chris Jericho, Backlash 2009. You still got it. People fucking loved it. Ate it up, spit it out, ate it again. Didn't count how many times you spit it out. You kept eating it. You loved it, Ricky Steamboat. Putting on performances. Wish that he went further. His age at the time, 56 years old. Dusty Rhodes versus Randy Orton, the Great American Bash. The beloved Dusty Rhodes. I'm not even talking about the stuff he did in TNA after. Great American Bash, 2007, his last match versus Randy Orton. His age at the time, 60. And finally, let's go to Ric Flair, his retirement match. At WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels. We know Flair has wrestled since then, but that, let's just focus on that match itself. His age at the time, fifty nine years old. All of those moments, we look back and we smile. We memory we have memories that are pleasant. People popping, you still got it, loved it, blah, 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 blah. Shawn Michaels' is current age, fifty three. Undertaker's current age 53, Kane's age currently 51, Triple H's current age 49. What the fuck are all of you out there? Oh, they so old! They're so old! They're so old! Look at the other ages. You had no problem with any of them. I said this on Breakfast Soup about a month ago when we said that Shawn Michaels will return in the ring at Crown Jewel because of the amount of money he is being offered, you cannot pass it up for your family, and as long as Undertaker gave him his blessing, he was going to do it. Hook, line, and sinker. And I said this a month ago, and I will stick to it now, and I guarantee you 99.9% of you out there will agree with this. For eight years, you kept hearing fans All across the globe, online, in arenas. One more match, one more match, one more match. And now you got one more match? WWE's depending on legends. WWE's depending on the old timers too much. WWE is the... the fuck you talking about? Have you noticed the ratings the last couple of years? Don't give me this shit. Oh, well, they watch it on Hulu. They watch it on YouTube. It's fucking advertising revenue. Do you know anything about business? Wrestling is no longer must-see TV. That is the problem. You need to make it must-see TV again. There, all across the years in wrestling, there have been legends and storylines. Ric Flair's retirement storyline, the whole time he's 58 and 59 years old. Where the fuck with he on TV? Nobody fucking complained back then. And now you say, no, they depend on legends too much for 10 minutes of a three-hour show. What the hell are you smoking? Any of you out there understand it all, that they're trying to use nostalgia and extend it to try to get casual fans to tune in, to buy an old shirt, to maybe check out an event? to maybe subscribe to the network because the current crop of stars are doing good, but they're not doing better. This ain't no, well, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, Kane and Triple H are taking away the spot. Do you have a goddamn clue why Samoa Joe and others are losing their opportunities to be in this fucking Royal Rumble greatest of all time bullshit in Saudi Arabia? Because it's not fucking WWE booking that story. It's fucking Saudi princes who they want in that match. I want, I want, I want Attitude era, I want, I want, I want I said to everybody When, when you saw wrestlers in droves Very, very abnormally Coming to the defense of Brie Bella They're sitting in the, on the background If they could still move even a little bit They're sitting in the background Hoping that some Saudi princes Notice them Maybe watch some old footage from 1999 2003, 2004 hey uh, WWE, uh, we want blah, 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 blah. Now, I don't want to mention anybody and I don't want any fucking new listeners saying, who the fuck was that? I always say, blah, 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 blah. There are people out there waiting for the fucking $300,000 payday, the million dollar payday, and even more when it comes to HBK and others. But again, going back to what I said moments ago, I said this a month ago, 99.9% of you out there are not going to disagree with me. The reason why people are shitting on Shawn Michaels returning to the ring right now is because of this. For eight years, fans have been asking, begging, insisting, one more match, one more match, one more match. And Shawn Michaels stuck to his guns, stuck to the retirement, said that too many others get out of retirement. I'm going to do this. I I promised. I stuck to it. I blah, 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 blah. And because of Saudi money. He came out of retirement. He didn't come out of retirement because of you and me. He didn't come out of retirement because he absolutely loves pro wrestling and can't live without it. He came out of retirement because Saudi billionaires that fucking have a fetish of the Attitude Era and want to see some of those people in the ring, they're tossing around Monopoly money. And when you have a family, and I defended Shawn Michaels on Breakfast Soup, when you have a family... You have the opportunity to make that kind of money in a gaga match, okay? If Undertaker gives you his blessing, you damn well better believe you're going to take that payday, all right? If WWE would have offered that kind of crazy cash in the past, Shawn Michaels probably would have came back sooner. So deep down inside, you may not have thought about this, but subconsciously, you are angry because he didn't return because of any of us. He finally answered our calls, you know, pleading one more match. No, he came back because Saudis really made him an offer he couldn't refuse. That's it. End of story. No other way to put it. And people are kind of upset at that. And look, you have every right to be, but you're a goddamn wrestling fan. Okay, you wanted to see him have one more match. If he would have cut out a fu- cut a fucking promo at Madison Square Garden earlier this year or last year with no Saudi money or anything like that, and then heard the chance and heard the chance, and then he said, "You know, what? I'll think about it." You would have had fucking petitions, fucking hashtags, you know, HBK one more match, HBK OMM, you know, whatever it is. You would have had everybody in the fucking world insisting that he returns. So that is the deal. By the way, welcome to this edition of Breakfast of Blossom. I am Don Tony, as always. I'm trying to get this show done today as quickly as possible. If I could get this done in 30 or 40 minutes, I will be ecstatic. Because for those that are casual listeners that don't hear this all that often, you know, I let everybody know in the last bunch of months that I was undergoing spinal surgery this past Friday. I had it done it, as of right now, is a success, but I am in a tremendous amount of pain. The burning is fucking intense. I had fucking drills drilled into my spine to free up leads for my spinal stimulator. I have a road of recovery to go, which I'm looking forward to. I have no problem with that. But since it's not even four days since I had my surgery, well, there's four days, but um, I still have fucking stitches and staples in my back. I can't sit comfortably and I'm not supposed to sit up for more than 15 minutes at a time. So believe it or not when you listen to this on a download this show would have been paused a few times because I recorded a few minutes and then I stopped. A few minutes and then I stopped. It'll be all seamless when it's put together but I am not in the greatest health right now to be doing this, but I wanted to do a show. Definitely wanted to talk about what I just did and a few other things as well. Got some wrestling news and a couple of plugs. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And not only that, two weeks ago, I shouted out Epic Sports, who puts up a lot of our clips. And I invited listeners of his channel they wanted to submit questions that I would answer on Breakfast with Blossy. So towards the end of this broadcast, I am going to answer some of those questions today. Yes, it will carry over to the next episode of Breakfast with Blassi because that episode I'll be able to go a little bit longer. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Before I go any further, I got to give a special shout out to Adam Des Moines. Loyal listener, loyal patron. I sincerely apologize. This wasn't brought up Monday. I think it's probably more my fault. His grandfather, who got him into wrestling, just like my grandma did, who has passed away many, many years now, his grandfather turned 100 years old this past Friday. Still alive and took him to his first wrestling match back in 1987 to CDNWA. So, Adam, please extend Happy birthday wishes to your grandfather from me, and uh, really, really cool, really, really cool to hear that. Also, speaking of birthdays, happy birthday to John Coffey, another friend of the show. He turns 35 in two days, so uh, happy birthday to you, my friend. Now, as you heard me say in the beginning with all of these ages, you know, you really need to take a step back, you know, and... As I also said, you know, for everybody out there that is saying, oh, you know, WWE is doing this and WWE is doing that. Look at SmackDown last night. People look at the results and look at the matches. And it seems like that some things were left out. Sure, some wrestlers did not wrestle, but they appeared. But it felt like things were left out. And then people were Like just had their balls in a bunch That Jeff Hardy beat Samoa Joe To be in that battle royal I mean again I need to stress the fact That a lot of what you're going to see At this battle royal This crown jewel event Is in the direction Of Saudi money Of course WWE is going to further Their own storylines Of course WWE is going to have Some of their own matches there but the amount of money that they are getting for these events it they are going to sacrifice some of the content that you see right now on raw and on smackdown let me put it this way if saudi arabia saudi arabia if they were not having their event do you think that triple h and undertaker may have still fought yeah possibly in australia but it would have just ended there. You wouldn't have had Kane involvement. You wouldn't have had Shawn Michaels involvement. It would have been reminiscent of maybe John Cena versus Undertaker or another wrestler versus Undertaker. It wouldn't have gotten the the tremendous hype that it did on TV. But this was always designed to piggyback Saudi Arabia. And when you understand the amount of money that WWE made in Australia and the amount of money that WWE made in Saudi Arabia, all right, they could fucking hijack Raw and SmackDown for the next month if you want to include the last two weeks as well and infiltrate a lot of what's going to happen on those two shows to sacrifice some of the wrestlers that are really not important on those events. I hate to say it that way, but you look at Super Showdown and you take a step back and you, ask, and you see how many people that weren't used on that card... All right, Super Showdown is a little bit different because the wrestling fans that tuned in that for Australia, a lot of them are regular WWE fans. This was an event coming to a particular country, you know, giving everybody a little bit of something to enjoy. And that's why they sold 60,000 tickets. You know, it's funny. You know, they advertised on the event that it was 70,000. And I see reports, oh, it was only 62,000. And you're going to fucking criticize that? It's pretty fucking funny. But again, Saudi Arabia, a lot of what you're seeing is directed by Saudi Arabia. So when you see certain people qualifying for this Royal Rumble thing, And you sit back and you scratch your head. You're like, why is this person in there and not this person? And you'll probably come up with 10 to 15 names. It's because Saudi Arabia wants them in there. They're paying insane money. And look, if a fucking Saudi prince or if someone out there PayPal'd me or went on Patreon and sent me 10 grand and said, look, for the next month, I want you to focus on blah, 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 blah you damn well bet I'm going to fucking make sure that I put a lot of effort to include that content. Money is what's driving everything. And trust me when I tell you, for everybody out there that thinks that we're going to keep seeing major nostalgia for the foreseeable future, once Super Showdown is done and once Evolution is done, the number of... Legends or retired wrestlers coming back right now Is going to drop drastically May pick up a little bit again around WrestleMania time It'll certainly pick up again When the next Saudi Arabia event happens Or they book a gigantic event in a different country And the demand is that they want fucking Attitude Era Or they want, you know, Ruthless Aggression Era So this is what's going on right now So please, WWE didn't go in a different direction and they're now putting a lot of nostalgia on there because no, there's there's specific events that are driving this. And to listen to podcasts and to see reports and see people writing this stuff, you know, not understanding why certain wrestlers are not being utilized, you know, just it's pretty disappointing. I mean, you'd think that this is almost common sense for everybody out there. So That's what's going on as far as this. Now, as far as the Brie Bella stuff goes, I had a series of tweets on Tuesday. You know, I already discussed with Kev Castle on DTKC, and I talked about it in the last Breakfast of Blossie of this idea now that we have to be, and yes, pun intended, we have to be yes men and forgive brie bella for every little botch that she does and if we don't and we criticize her we're cyberbullying. did you see what happened on monday night on raw i actually put up a gift file for everybody to to look at and i didn't even notice it on monday night because i was you know because of my surgery i can't like sit up and do a lot of paperwork so i did a little work I laid down, did a little work. Laid down. Had wrestling in the background. I really watched Raw on Tuesday, and during the match with the Riot Squad, with the Bellas and Ronda Rousey, there was a part where Ronda Rousey had the armbar on Ruby Riot, and the storyline is is that both of Ruby Riot's partners are trying to get into the ring to break up the submission move, but the Bellas are supposed to prevent them from doing so. And you see Sarah Logan. She's in the corner out of sight from camera view. And what she is supposed to do is she's supposed to walk towards the middle of the ring, towards the back. And she's supposed to give the suspension of disbelief that she wants to try to get at Ronda Rousey. But Brie Bella is supposed to grab her foot, causing Sarah Logan to trip. And then Brie Bella is supposed to hold on for dear life so Sarah Logan can't get it, Ronda Rousey. So what happens? Sarah Logan starts walking to the middle of the ring and Brie Bella, her timing, look at it, look at it. She like pauses and goes the opposite way and then she fucking is like a second behind Sarah Logan and Sarah Logan thinking that this is all about timing and that that was my rant two weeks ago. It is all about timing. It is all about timing. When Sarah Logan hits the middle of the ring at the very same time she enters the middle of that ring in the back, she's supposed to fall. And at the very same time, Brie Bella is supposed to grab her foot. Now, I saw more... Now, I got to say this first. So, Brie Bell is too late to getting to... She's outside the ring. She doesn't get to the middle of the ring. So, Sarah Logan flops with nobody touching her. She just flops. I, you know, you would have thought, okay, maybe she was going to do the worm. <laughs> I mean, she flopped with nobody touching her. And then... Brie Bell is grabbing a foot and all this other stuff. And I saw morons out there, and I'm and I, I I'm sorry to say it, but you really are morons. For everybody that wrote this, you are a moron. I saw people out there the, d- doing their damnness to defend Brie Bell on this one, and they said, well, you know what? Sarah Logan should have waited until she felt Brie Bella touching her foot or ankle and then do the flop. First of all, when you, I don't know if you've ever had wrestling boots on. And yes, you know, I really did gots in indie wrestling, but I was a manager and I was involved in a few matches as well. And I had wrestling boots. And let me tell you something, when you have wrestling boots, I don't know if you ever felt the outside of them, but you do not feel if somebody is touching the outside of your boot. That's first of all. And even let's even pretend. Let's say Sarah Logan the fucking viking. She you know she's a, she's a viking hick that can't afford boots. So she wears sneakers or she wears bit nothing. She's barefoot. Let's pretend she's barefoot. Now, use that same mentality that Sarah Logan should have waited until she felt Brie Bella grab her foot and then flop. Now, you picture Sarah Logan walking to the middle of the ring and Brie Bella is not there yet, and she's got to stand there for an extra second just looking around like, what the fuck is going on? Do you even, like, stop to think of what you're saying? It would have looked worse if she walked in the middle of the ring and then just froze, and then Brie Beller, gra- come on. There is no excuse for it. Brie Bella, the only thing that she has been good at for the last 26 months is being late at things. And I think you could know where I'm going with that. She is late. Mama Bird is good at being late. She is the drizzling shits. She can't even fucking walk from the corner of a ring post to the middle of the ring and simulate that she's grabbing somebody's foot with timing. That is why when I said earlier that they need to do something. Now, look, I don't like Nikki being the heel and Brie being the baby face because I can't help but get the flashbacks. You know, stop. You should have died in the womb. Stop it. Stop it. Remember that with Bree Bella with Nikki Bella? Stop it. Stop it. But then they're doing that storyline where Brie should have died in the womb a couple of days later they're shown eating together at a restaurant in California i know wrestling is it, it, the cat is out of ba- out of the bag and you know of course it's just entertainment i get it but i'm sorry in in the form of entertainment fucking tried to do something to make the storyline be a little bit more believable You fucking do that shit on TV. This is another reason why ratings will never recover the way it is. Think about it. Think about it. One of the biggest reasons why we watch wrestling is to see your favorite beat the fuck out of someone you don't like. You want to see your favorite victorious. You want the suspension of disbelief that this person really hates this person. That is the perfect... You know, storyline to have. Austin hates McMahon. Shawn Michaels, well, Shawn Michaels and Brett really disliked each other, but you go over the years, Undertaker hates this person, or this person hates this person. All right. If you knew. And you had that suspension of disbelief taken away and you're watching something where it's this person going to face this person and then you know that they're hanging out and drinking beers an hour later and they're caught on camera and there's photos of it and this, this and that. You take away that suspension of disbelief, you lose a huge part of your audience. So you need to have that aura that somebody really, really hates someone that is where the storylines any interest is always at its peak. Look at the biggest storylines over the years. And yeah, there's always storylines where there's mutual respect. All right. But my God, if everybody out there, you just had never got that suspension or disbelief that this person really, really fucking hate. Look at Brock Lesnar and um And Samoa Joe or Samoa Joe and The Undertaker or Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar have these crazy pull-aparts and this and that. I hate you. I want to kill you and this and that. If you were shoved down your throat or you're so constantly that they're hanging out and they're drinking and this and that, why would you fucking even care if they're trying to grab each other and people are pulling them apart? You don't have that feeling that they really hate each other or dislike each other. That is one of the most important aspects of fucking wrestling. When two people are feuding, you want to believe subconsciously, you know, it's, you know, it's entertainment, but when you're watching it, you want to forget about the fact that it's entertainment and you want to have that feeling that those two people really fucking hate each other. When you go to a horror film, you know that people aren't really getting their throats slashed. When you go fucking see a film on terrorism or you see that fucking film recently where uh, illegal Mexicans are fucking shooting, uh, you know, some kids or whatever, you know, and I mean, come on. They're not really committing the crimes that they're doing, but for that two hours, you forget that, and you're into the movie, and you love it, especially horror films, all right? I mean, if you're constantly reminded during the horror film that people aren't really being killed, and this person really isn't this, you know, kind of like, you know, like, like, what what are you trying to tell me? You know, like, you're really trying to blow the fun. You know, you watch a magic show, all right? You see people sword in half and people predicting cards and all this other stuff. Sure, you know that everything is staged, but after every fucking trick, if you were told the secret, unless you wanted to fucking do the tricks on your own friends and family, you know, it doesn't make the magic act as fun anymore. You want that aura, you want that suspension of disbelief that what you're watching is real. This is entertainment, and that is the biggest problems that wrestling has. So anyway, let's get into some shout-outs, some wrestling news, some new and returning patrons. Bill Rabin, Gary Hoy, Patrick Sibinala, Tosi Adeloy, uh, associate producer the returning Chris Harris, Rob Uzel, Sam Gill, Preet Nahal Sandu, Raymond Pajella, James Chamberlain. Thank you, as always, for the support. Congratulations, Steve Spiniak. Won the Super Showdown Predictions Contest with 46 points. Aaron Kloss won the consolation prize with 45 points. I also updated the holiday points list. If uh, anybody on Patreon wants to go check that out. Associate Producers, Tyg Z. Bowers, Paul Convoy, Daniel Williams, Dan Hayes Valdez, Justin Rebstock, John Miller, Mark Redman, John Steck, Ian Mitchell, John Coffey, Russell Sibonala. as I said earlier, Andrew914, Brandon Davidson, Zach Spunamore, Razorback Rob, Jerry Stewart, Magic Johnson, Paul Woods Jr., Rich Maharg, Adam Demoy, Diogo Nobre, Johnny Marin, Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Chuck Lentz, The Villainous Havoc, Courtney Summers, Crisanta Tamale, Diva Baker, and Food Truck Guy, Billy Taylor, Nickel Time, John Stern, Hassan El-Hashmi, Brent Webster, Aaron Walker, Aaron Kloss, Out in the Anthony Smith, James Grusin, Mark Israel, Matt Militia, Jeffrey Collins, Tim Everhart, Bob o. Mac, Sean DeMarsh. Lucia Dalban, Mandingo Chamberlain, Josh Wilson, Jason Pratt, Toby DeShang. Yeah, it's a long list. But it is so true. They, along with other patrons, are the reason why these shows remain free for everyone. Not only that, they are the associate producers of what we do. They not only contribute to us financially, but they are also very uh, outspoken, and they give us a lot of feedback and opinions and ideas for the direction of these shows. Look, everyone out there... I'm not saying this to sound like a jerk but a lot of you out there will agree on this you have read or may have written yourself over the last six months that you just feel like the quality of these shows have dramatically improved and yes you know we keep the dirty laundry off the shows thank God we haven't had any but they are directly responsible for that. You know, me, I feel like what I'm doing right now is the same way I did it in 1997. Maybe the audio quality is a little bit better. Maybe my style is cleaned up a little bit. Yes, some words that I used to use, I'm uncomfortable with using them now. I don't care about politically correct stuff. I care more about being respectful at times. That's why I don't say some of the things that I used to. But they truly are uh, the associate producers of what we do, and they are very instrumental of the direction of these shows So I want to thank them again Just a couple of more shout outs With the associate producers if you don't mind Scott Woodford, C.J. Wehar, Crestman, James Deal Donald J. Trump, Russell Zavala, Kenneth Hewlett Murrow Coombs Jr. Douglas McKay Anna the Gay Banana, Julian LeBlanc Brandon Rice, Frank O'Shea Carl Buteau aka Cheese and Rice Spider Lewin, The Metaphor Isaac Fox Marcus Antonius, Rob McKay, Brian Byrne Daniel Warren and Michael Cuomo Thank you once again. Um, You know, I got a kick out of this, and I know a few of you out there wanted me to bring this up. Uh, John Cena was on uh, the Today Show this past week. I think Shaq was on. I watched a little bit of the clip online, and Shaq looks like he's putting on some pounds there. I mean, I really want to see him do something with with wrestling. I mean, I really do. WrestleMania would be cool. I wouldn't mind if he was even in the fucking rumble in the Saudi Arabia, but I don't think the Saudi Arabia is interested in that, but Cena was on there and something really, really caught my eye and no, it wasn't the haircut. Yeah. You know, I'm a little bit surprised at everybody out there who was shocked to see his haircut. I mean, you surf the net. I see a lot of you out there. He has been posting on Instagram He's been posting videos of him in China. He's been posting a lot of photos. He's had this hair for a while now. Why is this all of a sudden so, like, unexpected on people? That blew me away. And I I definitely want to make a comment about Shawn Michaels' hair in a moment, too, because something I want to rest everybody assured of. But getting back to Cena first, I really found the comment he said fascinating. And the subject of Nikki Bella was brought up on on the Today Show Now for those that don't know Nikki Bella and John Cena were seen together In Australia When they first were rumored to breaking up I told you I don't give a fuck I came up here the same day and said I don't give a shit Not interested And I still am not interested But when he came up now Cena admitted That he was vulnerable And genuine But he doesn't regret speaking out And now he believes his personal life should be personal. Think about that for a minute. He now believes that his personal life should be personal. You were on a goddamn reality show for years. Your relationship was thrown out there to fucking make money. And now because, you know, you're not on that reality show anymore. Oh, now it should be personal. Fuck you. And I have been uh, a more one of the more biggest supporters over recent years of John Cena. Look, I'm not a big fan of his, but I have always said the guy does so much work for WWE and has done over those years. He is their MVP the last 15 years, bar none. So, And I don't mind a Cena return once in a while. When he did the fucking open challenge, he upped his game and he had some awesome matches between Kevin Owens and AJ Styles and others, the guy turned it up a notch. He has earned the right to calm down a little bit, have some fun, make less appearances, and WWE is moving on a little bit as well. That's why when I said four or five years ago that Roman Reigns was getting the John Cena push, I remember everybody out there were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Even my co said he don't look like John Cena, he don't act like John Cena, and now people understand what I meant when I said he's going to get the John Cena. He is the heir apparent of John, the John Cena push, the role model and everything else. And I know they tried to do storylines between the two to try to make it look like that they're not the same and all that, but no, Roman Reigns has got John Cena's shoes on right now. All right? What Roman Reigns does with it, you know, is remains to be seen. He is still fairly new. You know, Roman Reigns is only on TV now, what, five years, I would say? Maybe, I don't know, maybe a little more, I don't know. But just think about that. Cena's relationship, he was fucking one of the main characters on Total Bellas. And now because that run is over, now your life should be private? No, it don't work that way. And then if he gets the opportunity, if they get back together, quote-unquote, and then he's back on the mainstream that because of the amount of money that could be made that all of a sudden it's no longer personal. No, you don't have it that way. You don't turn around and you don't tell regular people out there, respect my privacy. You know, their relationship should be private and then fucking throw a Total Bellas four or five year run down everybody's throats. Having storylines on TV and WrestleMania moments and all this other stuff simply for footage for Total Bellas. No, it don't fucking work that way. In my opinion, in my opinion, got to laugh at something, you know, and I, I don't, I haven't criticized Jeff Jarrett recently. You know, the whole global force thing, it's, it's global farce. I mean, that's what it is. It's global farce entertainment. Jeff Jarrett, the whole global force wrestling boom thing obviously fizzled out to nothing. And I give you another example now. There was a big press release issue today that actually caught my eye. I, I mean, look, am I gonna go to Japan anytime soon? No. <laughs> but it still caught my eye and I said, you know, this actually looks something interesting. Wrestling Travel and Global Force Entertainment have partnered to offer fans the experience of a lifetime. Tickets and travel packages to New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom thirteen on January fourth at the Tokyo Dome has been announced. Now, they're going to have tickets available. They're going to have packages out of New York, California, and I don't remember the other two states because they weren't listed in this press release. But I want to read a little bit further, and then I'll tell you why I think this is fucking ridiculously stupid. In addition to what they re- they just stated, wrestling fans can expect the same for events across the globe including the United States, Mexico, Canada and Japan. What that means is that they have this idea that wrestling travel and global force entertainment could have travel and ticket packages for wrestling events in the United States, in Mexico, in Canada and in Japan. Now, this is travel. It's not just overseas. Okay, you could live in the United States and go use their travel package to go see a wrestling event in a different part of the United States. So, so far, I have no problem with any of this. Jeff Jarrett says a couple of words. New Japan says a couple of words and this and that. Obviously, they bring up what happened with All In. Quote, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 13 is an event guaranteed to be an incredible spectacle. It is the biggest event on the New Japan calendar. Biggest wrestling show outside the United States Uh, The magnitude and scope of this event Is something every fan should experience for themselves From the pageantry To the entrances To the hospitality To the reverence Japanese fans have for pro wrestling There is absolutely no event like Wrestle Kingdom So far so good The partnership with Global Force Entertainment is the latest of a spate of success stories for wrestling travel, with the company emerging as one of the main attractions and headline sponsors for Wrestling Media Con 2018 in Manchester, and also um, StarCast, the four-day podcast convention that sprang up around the independent wrestling show All In, which sold out at the Sears Center outside of Chicago. Jared's Connections are sure to bring more huge events under the wrestling travel umbrella. And, you know, it it gives you the website globalforceentertainment.com. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know, this is actually pretty interesting. I don't know how many fans in the United States would go to Japan, you know, but if you actually look at the date, January 4th, You're right around New Year's. You could possibly get a couple of extra days off. Maybe you use that as your early vacation in 2019. The 4th is on a Friday. So the 5th and the 6th are Saturday and Sunday. So you could possibly return to work on the 7th. So if you're off on the 1st, maybe you take off the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. So you take off three days and you could actually have a whole week off. So this doesn't sound bad. The problem is if you notice I go on their website, globalforceentertainment.com. The first thing I'm looking for is how much? What are the deals? What tickets are you guaranteed? How much is the plane fare? How much is the hotel? And when I go on the website to try to find any of that, I can't find anything. So I'm looking at additional information. I'm looking at press releases. I'm looking at other stuff being written. And it's in detail, But there's no package details. Then I find a line that says if you want information on the travel packages, to email them. The fuck is that? I don't want to give you out my email address just to get information. The fact that they can't publicly post a couple of what these travel packages are tells me that the prices are just astronomical. Now look, there will be events that you'll be able to go to within the same country, that will be very reasonable. But this whole swarm of press releases that you're going to see floating around the net about this deal with Wrestle Kingdom, the fact that they're not showing any prices and they're telling you, email us for the information, nah, fuck that. Just my opinion, but fuck that. I made a little comment earlier about Rey Mysterio. He is now signed full-time with WWE. You know, look, just because you see the words full-time doesn't necessarily mean full-time. We talked in the past about Mysterio taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. We noted that Shinsuke wasn't on the recent pay-per-view. Shinsuke hasn't been used all that much. And his title reign has been pathetic. Can't say it's his fault. WWE is just not utilizing him. You know, unfortunately... You know, when it comes to Saudi Arabia and others. Now, look, will Shinsuke have a match in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, it could very well be. It's not that Saudis don't like Shinsuke. But the thing is, is that they're going to cater for Saudi first. And then they will fill up the rest of the event based on matches that we'd be interested in. Storylines that they have already progressed. That's why you will have Strowman and, you know, uh, Roman Reigns going at it. Lesnar included. So Rey Mysterio, when you're reading everywhere, oh, his first match is going to be a crown jewel and this and that. It seemed like everybody forgot about SmackDown 1000. Do you remember about nine months ago when I came up on a DTKC show in Brexel Blasio and I told everyone, I said, don't forget, SmackDown 1000 happens in 2019 and it's going to spring on you before you know it. It is next week. Doesn't it feel... Like, they really haven't put a lot of energy in SmackDown 1000 compared to Raw 25. All right. Think about that for a minute. Sure. Raw 25 years on the air is a little bit of a bigger, you know, event than SmackDown 1000. Raw 1000, when I think back at it, to me, was 15 times bigger hyped. Than Smackdown 1000. Yes, Evolution is going to reunite next week. And quite honestly, I think some people are going to feel a little bit depressed because Ric Flair is not in the greatest of health. Triple H looks fine. Batista is fucking a monster. He could still do it if he wants to. And Randy Orton obviously could still go. But the Ric Flair aspect, you know, it's going to be really nice to see them next week. But, you know, don't put too much into that. Now, what I had said earlier, and I got to throw this out there, Shawn Michaels, yes. Last Monday, when I was on the show, I already had pictures of him bald, okay? I got them sent to me privately because a friend of a friend is friends with Shawn Michaels' wife. They were very private photos, so I wasn't posting the shit publicly. But I had proof in some people that I know personally that thought I was full of shit. I showed them the proof. And, you know, for people who ask me, because, I, you know, for political stuff... I posted on Twitter yesterday my iPhone case with Lindsey Graham and the whole thing with the Kavanaugh protests and everything. And I posted it with my bobblehead and people got a kick out of it. But I had a few people ask me, like, why do you keep posting stuff with your bobblehead? And the reason why is everybody knows what my bobblehead looks like. I'm not posting it out there so people try to buy it. It's not for sale right now. I give them away as part of prizes on Patreon here and there, but they're not for sale right now. The reason why I do that is my Certificate of Authenticity. That's my certificate. When I say that I have something or I do something or I ordered something, you know, anybody could fucking do a Google image search, post a photo of something and say it's theirs. When I put it with my bobblehead, you know that that really is in my possession. So that's the reason why I do it. But getting back to Shawn Michaels now, please do not be concerned with Shawn Michaels's hairstyle and Saudi Arabia all right, because Saudi Arabia is still a few weeks away. All right, He's not going to go from completely bald to fucking John Cena hair. But if you actually look at Shawn Michaels' photos in previous years, even recently, when he has his hair wet and really pasted back, it is very, very, very thin. Yes, he'll have a buzz cut more than anything else. But he's not going to look terrible. All right? Do I think he's going to keep the Steve Austin completely bald, no hair whatsoever, no peach fuzz, no nothing? No, I think he is going to have some hair growing back. By the time Super Showdown comes around, with the exception that he has no ponytail anymore, I don't think he's going to look bad. I think everyone out there needs to take a chill pill with that. I think he's going to look just fine. Um... As I said earlier in the opening, just to sound like an asshole, uh, it is true. What I called a month ago, Ed Norholm and was it Scott Demore? I think it was, they did interviews the last couple of days talking about the recent meeting at WWE headquarters, and they revealed exactly what we told you all along, that it was about using footage on a WWE network. I didn't give a shit that no websites wanted to give us credit from what I, what I was told. You know, I get a kick out of reading other websites and reading the same phrase. We were told, we were told, we were we were advised, we were notified. No, you read it off of someone else's website. Nobody reported at that time that had to do with the footage. So you know, it's it's it is what it is. But to me, it's not a big news story because we've been telling you this for a month now. Um, one news story that's floating around today. That honestly, look, it's a nice thing But what have I been saying? First it was everybody gets a trophy Then everybody breaks a record Now everybody gets an award Jinder Mahal received the Heroes Behind Heroes Award Sounds pretty cool And you read the article And, you know, when you're done reading it You're happy for Jinder Mahal But you're left saying to yourself What do you actually do? And then I did a little bit of research on it and the Heroes Behind Heroes Award is an award given by Sony YAY, which is the Indian television channel aimed at children. It's operated by Sony Pictures, but it is for the country of India. So that's the reason why Jinder Mahal got that award. And, you know, look, it's a cool award to have. But, you know, when you see, with all due respect, I'm not, I'm not saying this to be critical of Nia Jax, Jinder Mahal, or anybody else. Right, They are role models to some And they do do good outside of wrestling You may not be aware of it You may not pay attention to it But they do do a lot of good But when you actually take a step back And look at some of these awards being done Any fucking company could issue any award for any reason And honestly, look, this award It's a cool thing and everything like that But when you actually think about it You know, I mean, it's not anything of a big deal, to be honest with you. I hate saying it like that, but that's just the fact. You actually do the research. When you Google search that award and put it in quotes and you get virtually no results back, that should pretty much give you an idea of what these awards are. Any business out there could create an award, give it to somebody famous, and sometimes you ask yourself, are they doing that to really honor the person or are they doing it to get a little bit of publicity for themselves? And you know what? It could possibly be both. Don't, don't know. And honestly, I don't give a shit all that much. Wow, we went 50 minutes already. I I, I think I have a few more things to go. Yeah, I got to get into uh, some rapid-fire questions. First, recommendations, everyone. Check out our sponsors, Texas Podcast Massacre. They have the same domain for their show. on their website, texaspodcastmassacre.com. They just did an episode, Queen of the Damned, and the new horror film Mandy. If you're into cult films, horror films, you got to go check them out. They do it in a way that you don't see. I'm telling you when I say repeatedly that our sponsors all bring something unique to the table, it's kind of like what it is here in where I live in Howard Beach. Howard Beach, the stores, you know, there's a mutual respect in the neighborhood. And yes, the neighborhood is still predominantly Italian, but there's a mutual respect and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, if you're in a neighborhood and you've been here a long time and you got a bakery, you know, unless you don't give a fuck, you don't live in the neighborhood, you don't know anybody in the neighborhood and you're just being a scumbag, They somebody won't open up a bakery a block away. They'll do it distance enough where they don't hurt another business. You see a health food store open up in Howard Beach. You don't see another health food store open up maybe for like 10, 20 blocks away. You don't do it. Like that, And when it comes to these plugs that we do I've had other people approach us About plugging some of the things that they do And honestly, you know I think it's fucked up to really put over This horror film podcast And then plug another horror film podcast And say that they're the greatest thing around That would be disingenuous by me So everybody here that we plug is unique In their own style, their own way, their own store You really should check them out because they just you know they deserve the support. Rocked reviews, they latest uh the latest reviews they did Coheed and Cambria, uh The Unheavenly Creatures, Electric Messiah, top ten songs on Billboards, mainstream rock chart, rockedreviews.com, awesome, awesome place. Sneaker addict DJ Dells and a sneaker podcast. You know, yes, he doesn't just do sneaker podcasts, but he reviews almost every sneaker there is that it is available. He just reviewed the Air Jordan 1 Pine Green Retro sneakers, the Air Jordan 8 Tinker Icon Air Raid sneakers, the Nike uh, Irving Halloween Slime sneakers, and he's got so much archive on YouTube as well. Sneaker Attic, look him up. Elman Shaw has a displayed store. It is pop culture artwork on metal. I am a customer. I have this huge fucking piece of metal artwork that I'm putting in my um, Rockaway Beach House location. I'm going to put it there where I do the shows and everything. I haven't set it up yet because, you know, with the surgery and everything, I haven't been there. Subzerocomics.com for all your wrestling, comic book, and pop culture collectible needs. Crisis and the Toyverse, they have a podcast. Search them on YouTube under the name Undercover Capes. They review a lot of toys, bobbleheads, other stuff, and some very unique toys. They just reviewed some Kingdom Hearts Black Coat Mickey Mouse figure. And I saw it, I was like, wow, that is some really, really cool shit. But the kicker was the Mezco One Michael Myers figure. Just go on their channel and just check that out. If you are a fan of Halloween or Michael Myers, you just, just look at it, it'll blow you away. And last but not least, Your Best Bargains, LLC, They have a store on Amazon. They have a store on eBay under the same name. I have purchased from them several times in the past. No, it is not me trying to give back as well. They got cool shit for sale. So go check it out. They have, again, an Amazon store and an eBay store. All right, we're going to finish this up by going through some rapid fire. And as I'm going on Epic Sports' channel right now, I see... A clip. I didn't see what show it was from, but it maybe it was even from Monday. I don't know, but uh with Kevin Mish. By the way, this Monday on a DTKC show will be yours truly and Mish, or yours truly by myself, or maybe you know what? Maybe we'll get Joey Numbers on. We'll see what happens. But Kev will be taking Monday off. As I'm on line, I see this topic being discussed. How long could WWE rely on nostalgia? Wrestling has always relied on nostalgia off and on over the years. And as I said earlier, when you understand the tens of millions of dollars that is involved with these global events in Saudi Arabia, and you understand how many events that they would have to run in the United States to match that figure, sure, a lot of that money is going to payroll, a lot of that money is going to be reinvested into other things. Yes, it is more expensive to go travel overseas, but the bottom line is, is that as long as WWE could fucking make crazy money like that to the point where their stock goes as high as it is. I mean, this stock has tripled over the last year. It wasn't done because of Roman Reigns. It wasn't done because of great storylines around SmackDown. This is a corporation, a business, a global entertainment company. And they are making decisions to get in tens and hundreds of millions of dollars of more revenue. So how long will they rely on nostalgia? You know, if you are a rinky-dink indie wrestling promotion or a regional company that all your focus on is that one regional audience, then you have every right to have a discussion like that about a particular company. But for anybody, I'm sorry to say this, and my apologies, nothing personal, but for any podcast out there to turn around and say, how long does WWE need to rely on nostalgia when they are at, just an insane high of their business value, you know nothing about business. You know nothing about business. The turnaround, if you would have made that comment when the share was still $9.95 and the ratings were in in the toilet as it is right now, fine. But when you turn around and now they're worth billions and you say, how long could they rely on nostalgia? The fuck are you talking about? You know nothing. You know nothing about business. Sorry, that's just my opinion. Big Burtz, can I unblock you on Twitter? I don't know what your handle is. Let me know what your handle is. I'll look it up and I'll see why I blocked you in the first place. Let me tell you something. For me to have blocked you, you must have been an absolute scumbag. Because I will admit, I am a scumbag online. And I will ruffle feathers and I will fuck around with people and I will troll a little bit on Twitter. Absolutely. I don't mind getting it back. But some people take it way too far. They involve personal stuff or family and things like that. You know, just, be, no. So, you know, just send me a handle, you know, and I'll be more than happy to go check it out. Look, I, I think over the last year I might have blocked 10 people. So, you know, for you to be one of the 10, consider on a badge of honor as well. John C.M., my thoughts on the whole Bully Ray versus Dixie storyline My only problem at that time, more than anything, was the Aces and 0.8 storyline. It was pathetic. I mean, today, ironically, nobody will bring it up. This is the anniversary of, remember that? 10, 10, 10. They're here! Remember all that shit? I didn't forget. In fact, I will be covering on This Week in Wrestling History. But they just had some horrible storylines. I will never forget, when you look back and how Bully Ray was getting his ass kicked, from Aces and 0.8s and the whole storyline and everything that led up to it. And then when they revealed that he was the leader and they did like six, seven, or eight segments to try to justify why it made sense that he's the leader of the Aces and 0.8s. When you have to do that many segments to try to convince people that the writing is not shit, the writing is shit. It wasn't Bully Ray's fault. He was an awesome heel at the time. Dixie Carter relying on others. And, you know, it's sad to say. I mean, there's a lot of reasons behind it. But the individual characters involved, you know, outside of Dixie, because she really wasn't an on-air character. I mean, it was just, you know, her stuff was just not good. But Bully Ray, as far as the heel character, he was fine. So it really wasn't the Bully Ray, Dixie Carter. It was just the overall product and trying. It just, it was terrible. In fact, you go back to 2010, And you, right around that area, you see fucking Adam Pacman Jones, I think it was, and Wow, and all that other garbage. I mean, they just, you know, I always say, you know, there was a corny uh, Paul Abdul song when I was growing up. Was it one step forward, two steps back? You know, it might be a great top 10 song, but it's not good for wrestling. If you're going to take a step back, fine. Make sure you take two to three steps forward. Nothing wrong with falling down when you get up, Get, be, get up and be that much better. And they were doing way too much of one step forward, two steps back. And it got to the point where it was going to fail. Cron Cron, I know you're my biggest troll on YouTube, but I applaud your creativity sometimes. Why do I breathe heavy and gasp for air in my mic and my clips? Honestly? Because I am talking And I have energy and I obviously have to breathe. And I do so much work personally with the shows and everything else that I honestly can't sit here and spend time and filter out my breathing. I use Adobe Audition and I know that there's ways of copying the breath sounds to clipboard and having them automatically edited out. I tried that once. And some of my voice sounded computerized. So I thought, you know what? As much as I do want to eliminate that on these shows, I haven't. And yeah, while we're doing these shows, I could purposely what I just did. You didn't see it, but I turned my head, looked the other way, and breathe in while my head was facing the other way so my breath didn't get caught on the mic. I'll probably get dizzy from doing that shit. And I know you were writing it to be a prick more than anything else. I know that. One of my favorite wrestlers in NXT, Mecki the Pro. Well, I'll tell you a few right off the bat. I mean, Champa is fucking awesome. Gargano is great. EC3, I absolutely I can't wait for him to go on the main roster. And it's funny because I debate my other calls from Mish to Kevin Others. They don't understand why I have this much stock in EC3. I've been praising EC3 back in TNA. Before he became champion, he's got it. You just have to put it together. That guy is going to be a big star. Ricochet is awesome. There's a lot of people in NXT right now, you know, with the exception of Gargano and maybe one or two other people. Nobody's really standing out you know, like a mega, mega superstar, but it is a nice complementary of talents. I I just. I Is it the strongest roster that they have had? No, absolutely not But it is still a very good roster And um, NXT, I mean, events should always sell out pretty good Gaming Dragon, do I really think Triple H is doing the right thing By flooding the roster with more and more indie guys Despite no one in this era being actually over? Yeah, Gaming Dragon I mean, he's not flooding it with indie guys Where are they going to come from? I mean, Indies, Japan, Impact, I mean, where are they coming from? So flooding it with indie guys, I wouldn't call it flooding it, but unfortunately right now when you take a step back, I don't care how much you love Roman Reigns or hate him. I don't care how much you love Finn Balor or hate him. I don't care how much you love this person or hate him. You look at the roster 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, You had larger than life stars, big time stars, stars that were future Hall of Famers. It sucks that some people of today will get into the Hall of Fame because of longevity more than anything else. They do have legitimate Hall of Famers that deserve it. Absolutely. And I'm not going to go through the list now because I will leave people out. And then people will think because I left someone out that they don't deserve to be in there. But the point is, is that if you look at the current crop of talent, you know, not everybody is 22 years old, 25 years old, you know, the young generation. It's not like what it was in the mid 90s when WWE was trying to go younger, you know, even though some of their wrestlers were still older. I think some people would be really surprised if you actually start researching the ages of some of the wrestlers that are on the main roster right now. Mid thirties, upper thirties, which is still young, but what happens five years from now, ten years from now, when they're in their upper forties? I mean, you're talking the same age as Triple H right now, almost Kane, you know, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, are what, fifty-three? So some of these wrestlers in twelve years are going to be that same age. Who are you replacing them with? So yeah, you have to keep you know, throwing stuff out there and seeing what could possibly turn into a main big time star. Fernando, do I think Alexa Bliss's face turn would make her the face of women's wrestling? No. Nope. She is a uh, a good wrestler with, you know, much more potential. She is not great in the ring right now, but she's new. So, I have no problem with her work right now. Sure, there's a couple of things I'll criticize because it just, I mean, some of these flips that she does, she doesn't even connect and it looks like somebody doing gymnastics than anything else. She becomes a face. You know, I think more of her personal story would be emphasized and revealed. Um, but I think Alexa Flip Bliss right now is best utilized as a heel. You know, she's not the greatest person on the mic, but she is entertaining. So I wouldn't touch it right now. And I don't think she would be the face of women's wrestling if she was a baby face. No. Howard Starr, how come the Barbarian and Warlord aren't in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I I think because they they were never like the real focal point mainstream tag team wrestlers during their time. Do I think Barbarian and Warlord deserve to be in? Barbarian probably more than Warlord. And, you know, there was some issues with steroids in the Warlord. You go back to 93, you see a few other things. I'm not saying he's not on WWE's Good Graces or anything like that, but do I think at the end of the day that they should be in? Yeah. The problem is that there's probably 50 or 60 people that you would put in before then. So that's the reason why they're not in right now. Uh Okay, okay, that's the person's name Best ass in wrestling right now You know, because I'm in my 40s now I try not to talk about women's asses Not because of PC or anything like that I swear to you, it's not that Just that I try to avoid anybody that would call me creepy For, you know, commenting about somebody's ass that's 22 You know what I'm saying? Like, I, trust me and I, I said and then trust me I'm not trying to throw any hidden you know agendas or I'm not doing some some accusations towards anybody but I think everybody out there will agree on this. It is very creepy to see some guys in their 40s, 50s 60s was really bad but 40s and 50s especially. You know, following girls on Twitter that are 18, 16, 19, you know, simply because they're wrestling fans. And I like I said, I'm not individually thinking of anybody right now, but you do come across them. I've seen it with my own eyes. I have seen people like people's tweets simply because it's a seventeen year old girl with a nice ass, you know, some you know risque photos. And because they fucking wrote a comment that sounds like it makes sense with wrestling, that they like it and stuff like that. I don't know. I just try to stay away from the creepy thing. I know a lot of you out there think that Alexa Bliss's ass is next to none right now. I know some of you would say that for Liv Morgan. You would say that with Mandy Rose. Uh, I I don't know. I think I mean, is there really an ugly ass right now? And I know some of you are going to think that the bigger size. No, I, I just, I don't know. I just, me, I was never like a big ass guy. I'm more of a chess guy, you know? Max P, what matches do I want and think will be at next WrestleMania? I haven't really thought about it yet, Max, because me, I don't mind nostalgia a little bit. You know, I always feel giving a little bit for everybody is the right way to go business-wise. You know, I have no problem with Michaels and Triple H teaming up. I know if you want to really pull, you know, strings and really, you know, dissect things. Okay, Undertaker, Triple H, last time ever. But meanwhile, they're going to face each other again in a tag team a couple of weeks later. I know, but we've had... This is the this is the thing that a lot of people forget. Look at WWF. Forget Nitro. Forget WCW. Because they're an easy target. Forget TNA. Because they're an easy target. All right? If you want to look them up as well, go right ahead. There have been dozens... If not 50, I prob- I'm i telling you, you look at WCW, TNA, and WWE for the last 20 years, there's probably been at least 50 times where somebody was in a storyline where they either were forced to retire or they were fired. And then you buy into the match, you know, career versus career. How many times did Kurt Angle lose matches at TNA that he was forced to retire? Well, this person is forced to leave. Vince McMahon fucking lost a match where where a stipulation where he was gone for WWE. He was there, what, two weeks later or whatever it was. This happens over the years. So Undertaker versus Triple H, last time ever, yeah, maybe one. it's one-on-one. That's what they meant. They have a tag team match. Five years from now, when none of those four are really in the ring at all anymore, you'll once in a while go on the network and watch it again. I have no problem with Nostalgia. So as far as on the matches, you know, I don't know. I have to think about who are the champions at the time. You know, are they going to blow their load and give Daniel Bryan the, the heavyweight title, the WWE championship before WrestleMania? So I have to see where this progresses in the next two months. Then I will tell you where I would like to see it go. Uh, shout out to Dog29J, Tanvir Ali, Who do I think is a better opponent for Brock Lesnar? Kurt Angle or The Undertaker? Kurt Angle, absolutely. I think Kurt Angle would really force Brock Lesnar to stay on his A game. I'm not saying that Brock Lesnar goes off on his A game, but Brock Lesnar would probably force Kurt Angle to really give the match of his life right now at his age. You know, Undertaker, this is something I think people forget, and I think it may blow your mind. And I hope I'm not wrong because I don't have my research in front of me, but just from doing This Week in Wrestling History, you know, I go through insane amount of footage over the years. But if I'm correct, didn't The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar just fight in Hell in a Cell in 2015? I mean, I could be wrong, but if that's correct, look at how much Undertaker has deteriorated in the ring in three years. So right now, Undertaker, the match with Triple H, people should have expected that at Super Showdown. And would you want anything else at this point? So right now, Angle versus Lesnar over Lesnar-Undertaker any day of the week. Romaro, if Raw ran from 7 to 10 instead of 8 to 11, would it be better or worse? Uh, You know, look, the more adult uh, content is always aired in the later hours. I mean, it's always been like that. Sure, WWE's PG now, so you don't get it as as much as you used to. So, you know, having a nine to ten be the last hour of the show might be even worse. But I, I, I just I don't know. I think eight to eleven is really this the time slot it needs to say seven. To me, is a little early for some. And it might even be worse if you want to think about it because if they want to target more of children and kids, they got to get up early for school the next day. You know, not every parent lets their kids stay up until 11 o'clock at night. So you now do it to 10 and you know there's more kids tuning in. Maybe it's a little more family-friendly. I don't know. I just think, you know, 8 to 11, maybe even three hours is a little too much. But imagine if it was only two hours right now. Think of how many other people would not be included on a two-hour Raw. People have their balls in a bunch. Tony Palatolo, Palatolo, my opinion. What has, what was or has been the best WWE pay-per-view card in the modern era, 2008 to the present? Wow, you, you want me to go through. Um, first of all, I can't think of pay-per-views now from 08 to the present. And why is 08 the modern era? I do not listen to this modern era shit. You actually think about it, you know, it just doesn't make sense, modern era. I don't know, you know, I I can't think of anything offhand. I mean, I'm not going to lie, Impact Wrestling's recent pay-per-view was decent. I thought that was pretty damn good. Uh, I remember praising it tremendously, um I you know, as far as WWE, I mean you look at the WrestleManias more than anything, but no, no nobody comes to mind right now. I mean, there's been individual matches that have been outrageous, and and I say that in a very complimentary way, but um nothing sticks out to me right now, to be honest with you. Dustin Nunn, do I think Chris Benoit's eldest son, David Benoit, will become a pro wrestler, or do we think that'll never happen because of his last name? Look, he can be a pro wrestler if that's what he wants to do. I think it's just a little too awkward for WWE to be honest with you. Because even if he is, look, if he was, you know, the next greatest superstar, you know, maybe WWE takes a chance. But the problem is the minute you bring him on TV, everybody starts Googling about his father and they start, you know, thank God there's no graphic details from those murder-suicide but still, I mean, everybody would research. He would always be in the shadow of his father. It would be rough, and I don't know if WWE would go that route. But if he wants to pro-, pro wrestle, why not? Do I think CTE should have prevent, been prevented in the first place? Um, no, no. I mean, you just you can't predict certain things that happen in life. You can't predict it. You know, it blows me away. Yeah, you know, I do discuss a lot of politics, and I'm really not going to get into it here, but I'll bring up a point. You see the whole Supreme Court thing that happened with Kavanaugh. And for anybody out there that followed it, you you'll see what you'll understand what I mean. For those that don't, just bear with me for 30 seconds. Okay. What some people were actually trying to feed us is that because somebody drank beer and drank beer a lot that they could have very well possibly sexually abused someone. I know people who are alcoholics that never sexually abused anybody. It's just ridiculous. You can't predict what anybody is going to do. You have the nicest people out there that will commit heinous crimes, and you will have the biggest assholes out there that don't break the law at all. Maybe come close a few times, but you know, I, nobody could have predicted what Benoit was going to do. And in this country I live in, you're innocent until proven guilty. And if you have no criminal history, you know, you shouldn't be labeled as a criminal. You know? Do I like New Japan? Yes, I do. I mean, the commentary is okay. Um, you know, some of the tournaments that they do are very dragged out. I don't cover it a lot on my shows. I'll tell you why. Number one, a majority of my listeners don't watch it. Number two... When you start covering tournaments, day one, day 10, day 13, especially when I do DTKC once a week, you know, what am I going to do? Highlight the last five, six, seven days of of their match results to keep everybody up to date? I'm not a results-driven show. I've said this before, not to sound like an asshole, but anybody could put on headphones and a microphone give us the raw results read things from websites word for word read pay-per-view stuff word for word and you think you're a you're a podcaster you know what i mean it's just it's i don't like spending you know a show and spending half of it reading results to me that's lazy that's cop out that's just trying to wing it i fucking hate that shit i try to have discussion opinion be the biggest Focus of the shows Whether it's my opinions or Kev's or yours It's an opinion-driven Opinionated-driven show All the shows we do are opinion-based Yes, we get news Yes, I have people Who I have been friends with for 20 years That will email me privately Hey, you want a little scoop on your show? And they'll give me some details And we'll talk about it And we'll report it But, you know, like I said With the whole impact thing we, I got gone on the show a month ago and told everybody, listen, I spoke to someone who knows directly from, from impact wrestling. They were there to discuss footage on the WWE network. Did one place say, Hey, DTKC shows reporting that the discussion had to do with the footage. No. But then you get these weird podcasts that get like some weird publicity, you know, you know, Stomach Acid Burners podcast reported that Rey Mysterio's first match is going to be a crown jewel. No. Blah, blah, blah's podcast reports that Roman Reigns' first opponent is going to be Kevin Owens. No. Blah, 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 blah podcast and all over the place reported that, you know, because Dolph Ziggler didn't sign his contract, he's going to have a losing streak very reminiscent to the Kurt Huggins. No. I mean, how embarrassing is that? For you to be a website, and just over and over and over and over and over and over re- report the wrong news. It's my. I've I've been on the internet since the ninety the early nineties, and I've been doing this going back to Hotline since nineteen ninety seven. I have never seen this many wrestling websites, news, and podcasts that just repeatedly get major things wrong. Over and over and over again And I try to resist From being a show That corrects other people Again, opinionated That is my most important aspect Of these shows B.B. Drix, Do I think the Arabians Prefer wrestlers from the 80s and 90s To wrestle in Saudi Arabia Because they don't think the current roster Is big enough stars Um, Your first part was right The second part was wrong they look back to what they didn't witness back then. A lot of these Saudi princes and others weren't around in the attitude era or didn't have the luxury of being able to watch wrestling on a week by week basis. Plus let's be honest, the attitude era is much more appealing to the adult male than the current era. You know, I know WWE has to have these stupid debates, which era was better. And this is and that. We all know the attitude era. You just look, just, I mean, I could give you a thousand reasons why it's better. Anybody in their right mind wouldn't dare try to have a debate like that unless they were getting paid from WWE or getting paid comfortably elsewhere and they were being paid to take a stand that they have to take because nobody else would. You know, the suspension of disbelief is the number, probably the number one reason why the attitude era blows away the current era. Suspension of disbelief. You take that away in some of those biggest feuds back then? Nothing. Take away suspension of disbelief for the NWO. Take away suspension of disbelief for Hall and Nash showing up on Nitro. Take away the suspension of disbelief of Austin versus McMahon. Take away the suspension of disbelief and a lot of other storylines. No. It'd be nowhere near. So, and look, I'm, I don't live in Saudi Arabia. It'd be really fucked up for me to give this opinion, but I'll give it because that's how I am. I say I may regret things at times, but... It seems that Saudi Arabians, some areas in Saudi Arabia, are not allowed to have the freedom to enjoy adult, adult content like we do here in the United States. Or maybe they weren't allowed to enjoy it five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So, And I'm not just talking, you know, Porn, I'm not just talking, you know, naked I'm talking, you know, adult content Storylines, slapstick humor Violence, All right. I don't think a lot lot of Saudis 10, 20 years ago were able to enjoy this stuff So now you go and you get to see this stuff for the first time I mean, you're just blown away by it And a lot of those wrestlers are larger than life Remember, one of those Saudi princes wanted Yokozuna I mean, because they're seeing things now for the first time. I remember, I brought this up before, when I went to Italy in 1985 when I was still a teenager, I remember going, I brought my little boombox with me and I used to DJ at the time and I had some of my mixtapes, you know, freestyle, disco, dance, whatever. And I remember going there and turning on their radio and they were about 10, 10 years behind in their music. And true story, I swear to God, very true story. I had my boombox blasting in my hotel room in Italy. I think it was the first, second day I was there. And me and my friends from high school, we were hanging out. And somebody knocks on the door. We thought we were getting in trouble for blasting the radio. Guy that owns the hotel came in. What is this music? And we were trying to explain to him And it was, you know, a lot of, like, African Bombada and Alicia and Diamond Girl. I don't think Diamond Girl was around yet, but it was right around that time. And the guy was just mesmerized. I remember Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam was on there, too. Uh, I like you. I like you a lot. Yes, I like you. I remember these songs being on there. And he said, "Um, can I borrow your boombox? So I gave him my boom box, I gave him two or three of my tapes. They gave us free wine, free food, all this other stuff. We walked down in the hotel lobby at dinner time, and it was the funniest fucking thing. You see my boom box on top of some counter and they're cranking my mixtapes. Just cranking it. There was a club in Italy back then. I have never Googled it, but if someone out there wants to Google it, just to show I'm not lying. There was a club back then called Dance Electronic. And we went to that club and they actually had cameras rolling that time. And they knew that some people were there, were in the country from New York, and we were in the club. And, you know, they started interviewing us. And next thing you know, my friend is actually spinning records. They didn't have the music that we had, but the point I'm getting at is that they were five, 10 years way before us. We didn't even have internet back then. Some countries are years behind in a lot of the content. So that's the reason why the Saudis are infatuated with 90s. And again, don't underestimate the number of people who defended Brie Bella that want to stay on the good graces in any way, shape or form with WWE right now, because as long as they could move out, move around, even a tad, if a Saudi, Government, Saudi Prince, whoever's behind these events Starts watching some Nitro stuff Starts watching some other eras And starts thinking, hey You know, I want them on my show There's some people sitting there right now Hoping to God that they could get a crazy payday out of it I'll be honest with you, I'm a little surprised That Hall and Nash and some others Haven't been brought to Saudi Arabia I think that's going to happen They deserve the payday I hope they get the payday even if they do virtually nothing in the ring, I hope they get it. So there are some wrestlers who are sitting, you know, waiting for the phone call. Hey, you want to come to Saudi Arabia for hundred grand? And that's the low end. Epic Sports, is it true that the 27 New York Yankees are one of the most dominant teams ever assembled? I was not around in 1927, but yeah, you actually look at their stats Try to translate it to today's standards, the 27 Yankees, is just insane. Absolutely insane. It's very hard to translate it to today because of the lack of home runs that other teams hit. But compare the 27 Yankees to other teams from 27, they are probably the most dominant team. But again, we'll never be able to prove it. Uh, Let's see I think we're almost done for this one Like I said, I'm going to get into more On the next episode We will definitely tackle the rest of them How long did we go so far? We've gone almost 90 minutes M L, which indie wrestlers Do I want see to see make it in the WWE? If any, why do we think They deserve to be in there? How big of a star would they have been With the correct booking? There's not too many wrestlers That are past their prime right now That, you know, can't get into WWE, sure, we all want to see Kenny Omega, the Bullet Club, some others. I don't know how big of an audience really is drooling to see some of these stars go in there. I think the Bullet Club, as like, I don't want to compare them to the Hardys, but they definitely should be able to get over in the WWE. I mean, they definitely should... Um, Make it with no problem There are some wrestlers here and there uh, You know I think Yeah there's always this debate About the flippy stuff And the stuff that you don't believe You know like the Joey Ryan stuff with the penis I can't stand it I understand that there's a group You know core audience that laughs at it And gets a kick out of it and enjoys it Fine But if that's all the gimmick is going to be, it'll never show up in WWE because of the current age that we live in. So you have to be able to really um, be able to broaden your skills and to really have an overall package. I mean, it's just amazing how much Chris Jericho is reinventing himself over the last couple of years. And the funny thing is, is that if he shows up in WWE again, you think that he's going to put on that face paint like he's doing now? I doubt it. Doubt it very much He would not do what he's doing in Japan I think in WWE He just really reinvented himself And it is awesome to see And I'm happy that Chris Jericho I don't know how old he is What is he, 47? He's got to be around 47 So he still has a couple of years left So we'll see what happens Um Big B, 860. WWE is obviously still relying on Nostalgia acts and attempt to pop ratings. No, they're not doing an attempt to pop ratings. That's the biggest misconception right now, attempting to pop a rating. They had the lowest rating in their history or the second lowest rating in their history last week. And they had Undertaker advertised. They had Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Kane. That's not popping a rating. It was never about popping ratings. It is about the boatloads of cash, they're getting Saudi Arabia And they did Insanely well in Australia And that's just the beginning There's going to be other events globally And if nostalgia sells Then they'll do it So no, it's not about popping ratings um, Do we think This This is them acknowledging their failures Of creating new stars? No It's giving people a little bit of everything Saudi Arabia it's different Because the Saudis are offering insane amounts of cash to have specific people perform. Again, that is why you're seeing some outcomes for this battle royal that people are online like, fuck, what? Samoa Joe's not in the battle royal? This person's not in the battle? Why the fuck is this person? Because Saudi, that's what they want. So it's not about acknowledging failures, but it's to give a little bit of everything. And honestly, I have no problem with it. No problem with it all. If you've noticed for the last two, three months about Shawn Michaels returning to the ring and them doing the Triple H Undertaker thing, if you notice, if you go back to the episodes of all the shows that I've done and listen to just what I said, I have never once said it was stupid, ridiculous crap and shit on it. I said, you know what? A little bit of everybody. They're not on TV all that long. So What? We just were a little concerned that Undertaker seems very, you know, uh, a little unbalanced with some of the moves that he was doing. When he did that uh, tombstone, you know, it got a little nervous there. But they had the match at Showdown that I expected them to have all along. So, no, it's not the failure of creating new stars. It's just, you know, I pointed out look at the ratings with the Shield for the last couple of years. Say what you want. Look how piss poor and pathetic those ratings are. Is it just the Shields' fault? Absolutely not. Willie Hartigan, do we think WWE would have more viewers if they went back to edgy TV 14 product? Yeah. I mean, of course, but it's not going to happen. But, you know, I remember the 80s, some of the wrestling being awesome, and it wasn't TV 14. It was entertaining. Wrestling has to be must-see TV again. That's it. Wrestling needs to be must-see TV. And you need suspension of disbelief a little bit more. You know, I don't shit on the Bellas just because it's fun to do. But, you know, I've been saying this for years. Shawn Michaels, when he did that storyline, I think with JBL and he was blinded. Cat's out of the bag. We know it's sports entertainment. Shawn Michaels did an autograph signing here in New York. I was there. He fucking had a blind, like a patch over his eye. Did he have to do that? No. I heard Zack Ryder when he did that storyline with Kane and he was pushed with the wheelchair that Zach Ryder actually showed up somewhere with the leg brace on. Some people, even though the cat's out of the bag, will still try in some ways to you know have a little suspension of disbelief. That is not being outdated. That is giving a shit about the storyline that you're in. You You got young, 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 young fans out there and you could suspend their disbelief. For a couple extra years? Why not? Why not? Why? Because, oh, it's, it's fake. Please. Uh, Youssef, since WWE and overall wrestling in general has had a lack of personality amongst wrestlers and a lack of mouthpiece, do I think WWE should be investing in having a tournament similar to the Cruiserweight and May Young Classic, but for young upcoming managers? No. No. Because you need natural crowd reaction. Leo Rush is a great example. Leo Rush has something, but if you listen to what I've been saying for a while now, he is better suited as a cocky heel. Someone you just want to beat the fuck out of. I think I use whack-a-mole that every time you try to, you're about to get him and he just slips away. You know, my calls thought otherwise, they just turn him. So, you have to have natural crowd reaction. You have to connect with the crowd. Having a tournament, what are you going to do? You to have winners based on the crowd reaction. You're going to have somebody in the ring. Hey, do you like Leah Rush? Do you like blah, 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 blah? Uh, I hate that. No, no, you don't do a tournament. Insane Bob's Crazy shack. When I talk to friends that don't watch wrestling, which wrestlers do they bring up in conversation or any names surprise me in terms of how culturally aware they are? They usually bring up wrestlers from the Monday Night Wars, the Attitude Era. They'll bring up Cena, Randy Orton. Randy Orton is brought up more than you can imagine. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy. As far as the current crop of talent, not many. You know, Daniel Bryan once in a while. But, you know, when I talk to friends of mine that don't follow wrestling at all, you know, they usually go with the ones that everybody knows or is aware of. Goldust is brought up, I think more because of the Attitude Era. But no, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked of some of the major names of today that are never brought up by non-wrestling fans. Jogal, how was it like for me growing up with video games? Were I ever interested? Going to local arcades? Sure. Super Amusement, Whitestone Queens. That was my second home, you know, growing up. That place was awesome. I mean, I used to go crazy with video games. Loved Atari, ColecoVision, Nintendo, PlayStation, PlayStation 2. Last 10 years, got out of it a lot. Like to play nostalgia still. You know, get I could fucking go, and I have a little arcade inside, uh, an actual cabinet. And, you know, throwing Miss Pac-Man or something like that, and I'm good for an hour. But uh, the games of today, you know, I play uh, out of the park, the baseball one, because there's so much strategy behind it that that game I consume myself more than anything. I've been wanting to get back into the games of today. Used to love the Grand Theft Autos when they first came out. But back then, yeah. Can't tell you how many times after school, when I was a kid, me and my friends going over my house were playing video games. When I had my car accident in 96 and being stuck in a fucking wheelchair for nine months, how how much video games I played. Oh, my God. So, yeah, absolutely loved it. Rabbit Pyres, do I know that me and JD are the cancers of the wrestling podcast industry? No, I didn't know that. And um, honestly, I can't speak for JD. I don't follow him. I'm not a hater or a fan of his work. I worry about me. And if you don't like what I do, nobody's forcing you to tune in. All I will say, Robert, is if you hate what I do, you will get really upset at the announcement that is coming in less than two months. And it is an announcement that um, all of these hobby podcasters out there, including yours truly, um, it's going to be funny to see how some of them react. That's all I'm going to say. Nadir, what's the strangest thing I have ever eaten? Oh, boy. Strangest thing. um, Pig's feet. I know for some of you out there, you've probably eaten it. But true story. 1990, I drove to Florida with two of my friends and, you know, I just have my license for a year or so. And um, we stopped in North Carolina, went to go get gas. And it ends up that, long story short, I think it was like 3 in the morning, pulled off the highway, mobile gas station, North Carolina, walk into this gas station, predominantly black neighborhood, got three or four black guys hanging out in the gas station. We uh, go to pump gas, I think one of my friends was buying soda and they heard us talking and one of them asked us, you know, is that a New York accent? And they said, yes. When we told him, yes, they asked us, where are we from? And we said, Queens. It ended up that they used to live in Rockaway Queens. That's about 10 minutes from where we lived. And we just started hanging out. We were talking. We stood in the gas station with them for about two hours just had a, just laughing and having fun. And one of them had a jar of these pickled pig's feet. And I remember one of them came out. He didn't say it to me, he said it to my friend. I said, Bet you never had one of these. My friend always trying to, you know, be the tough guy, even if it was just in front of guys. He's like, Yeah, I'll try anything. And I remember my friend trying the pig's feet, and then we all tried it. I don't remember what it tasted like, I remember the pickled part of it. But uh, I never ate it ever again, and you know I'm not into that. So my favorite hobby is doing these shows. Um, outside of that, I don't know. you know, working on my 91 Lincoln Mark 7 is a lot of fun. You know, building up my retro arcade thing is a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's just that there's so many things going on in the real world. you know, the mom not doing so well. You know, having work, having a relationship, doing these shows. It is a lot. The Patreon page is a lot of fun. So, you know, that pretty much absorbs a lot of my time. What's the one thing that I would put in my bucket list? If you want to keep it wrestling related, I'd say sitting front row to WrestleMania. I was at 10, but, um, you know, the seats were okay. But I would love to sit front row to WrestleMania. If we keep it at wrestling outside of wrestling, there's a lot of bucket list things, but I don't know with that said, I think we're done for now. Uh went a lot longer than I expected to I actually feel pretty good right now. Pause this at least five times in the process, but I hope you enjoyed this episode of breakfast of Blossie. I will be back two weeks from today, which will be the 24th of October. Follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D the website, dontony.com. Email me, Don Tony at DonTony.com, Facebook.com slash DTKC show. And as always, if you like what we do, want to help support these shows, help us keep these bills paid, the lights on, and get a shitload in return, check out our Patreon page, Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Five bucks gives you access to everything. We have giveaways, contests, exclusive podcasts there. I know Kev is going to be. Recording its solo show, Castle Chronicles, tomorrow. Next week, it'll be Mission I giving you the latest installment of Breakfast Soup. We have the Evolution pay per view predictions contest coming up shortly, where you could win a prize from the prize wall. And, you know, ad free editions of this show, Mondays, early releases of this week of Wrestling History, retro audio, vintage episodes of the Mass Maniac show. There's just so much going on there. Five bucks get you everything. Can't go wrong. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Everyone be well, and I will catch you all again in two weeks. Take care. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Syracuse. Tattoos. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony.